welcome to another episode of React Native Radio. I'm your host, Nader Dabit. Today on our panel, we have Spencer Carley. Hello, everyone. And our special guests for today are Michael Lynn and Drew De Palma from MongoDB. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, glad to be here. This is Michael Lynn. And Drew De Palma, glad to be here, too. So the topic that we're going to be covering is kind of a new offering, I guess, for MongoDB called MongoDB Stitch. And it kind of fits into the context of something called MongoDB Outlets. And if I understand correctly, it's kind of like a database as a service or maybe a platform. They can go more into that. But so that's kind of going to be the, the general topic. And we're going to hopefully talk about how you can kind of leverage this back end as your back end for your next React Native app. So uh, before we get into the topic, though, can each of you maybe give a quick intro to how you got into, I guess, working at MongoDB? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. This is Mike Lynn. I've been working at, at MongoDB for just over three years, and uh, I lead developer advocacy for MongoDB globally today. We've got uh, a number of folks distributed around the world as part of the team. Um, I got into developer advocacy uh, through my work as a pre-sales solutions consultant, so working with working with the, the pre-sales team at MongoDB, talking to folks about, about the solution, about MongoDB as, uh, um, as a database product. And then I got into it through uh, my work in, in launching the Philadelphia MongoDB user group. I've always loved to, to make presentations, build sample apps, that type of stuff. So, uh, so it was a natural progression for me. And prior to that, I spent a majority of my career as an engineer, an architect, uh, working mostly in the fintech space. Um, so yeah, great to, great to be here. Yeah, and then on my end, I've been in the product space for a while working on, I guess, sort of thematically be looking at taking data and bringing it to all sorts of applications that people are writing. So I got my career start working on a database as a service, sort of in the OLAP space. So, you know, data warehousing, thinking about serving, you know, really large data heavy workloads. Um, then I moved over to MongoDB to work on MongoDB Atlas, which is our database as a server uh, offering. I um, was working on that for a while. And then I started um, kind of with Stitch from the ground up. So we incubated it internally for a little while, trying to figure out um, you know, how we actually wanted to help people build on top of the database, build out that next layer. Uh, and then it's been a journey of around two years, sort of from the incubation to the alpha to the beta and the uh, GA uh, last summer. So now sort of growing the product and seeing all the cool things that people are building on top of it. Cool. So can you kind of give us a quick intro slash elevator pitch maybe to each of MongoDB Atlas and uh, MongoDB Stitch, I guess? Uh, sure. I'll, maybe I'll take Atlas and, and Drew, you could take Stitch. MongoDB Atlas is, is uh, as you described it in, initially, it's database as a service. So um, it, it offers you the ability to deploy and easily manage your MongoDB instances and have those instances run on all of the major cloud providers underneath. So you get a, a nice management console, gives you the ability to quickly spin up uh, highly available and highly scalable instances of MongoDB. So uh, removing a lot of the, the work associated with deploying and managing your, your instances. It starts for free. We have an M0 tier instance that gives you the ability to, within about seven minutes, spin up a, a free instance of MongoDB. It's highly available. That means it's running a replica set. So there are three nodes in the cluster, and those, those nodes could be running in uh, GCP, in Azure, or in AWS, of course. So once you launch that, you have the ability to, 
to access those instances via a connection string. And you can do that from within your application, from the shell, from anywhere on the planet and, and access and, and, uh, and manipulate your data in those instances. And at the point that you're ready to, maybe your application takes off and your user base increases, you, you can very quickly scale up those instances. And at that point, once you go beyond the M0 tier, of course, then it's going to be a, a, a per minute charge for the compute resources and the CPU. And you have uh, ultimate control over the amount of disk space allocated to each of those nodes. So it's a very flexible, uh, easy to use, very easy to get started database as a service software. And then to continue a little bit with Stitch, um, really what Stitch is is looking at that layer on top of the database and how you build out uh, a fuller application. So typically that would be your middleware layer, your application layer. Um, Stitch really gives you the ability to replace that wholesale with a layer of serverless compute that we provide and we manage as a service. We typically break that down into four separate services to kind of help people understand the different things that they can accomplish with Stitch. The first is Query Anywhere. It's basically the ability to define your authentication and really fine-grained access rules. And then on your front end, whether that's you know, JavaScript, React Native, uh, Android, iOS, whatever, um, execute really simple, straightforward MongoDB queries. So moving away from kind of like the API layer and that kind of definition and building up logic to something more streamlined. The second is Functions. The ability to have serverless functions, really kind of you know standard ES6 uh, JavaScript that you can run your business logic with. Third is triggers, taking uh, those functions, which uh, in their purest form are really kind of request-driven from the front end, uh, and giving them the ability to be event-driven as well. Uh, and the last service is mobile sync. So really giving you know, Stitch the ability to act as a sync gateway, serverless sync gateway as well. Uh, and sync data from any remote Atlas instance down to MongoDB Mobile, which is MongoDB designed to run on a much smaller form-factor device. So a mobile phone, an IoT device, things of that nature. And our goal is really sort of when you, you know, look at those services and when you step back, you can really build any kind of application, any kind of workflow that you would want on top of Atlas and Stitch and get away from a lot of the management that you typically do. So if I get this right, it sounds like Basically, if you use Atlas without Stitch, you still have to manage the actual scaling, and um, Stitch would actually manage all that for you. Is that is that kind of uh, is that correct? Yeah. So at the application layer, Stitch is totally elastic and and serverless and manages the capacity. I mean, we have people go from zero requests to five, ten thousand requests a second, um, and you know beyond that. Uh, at the database layer, you still do have a couple of, you know, knobs and APIs that you can use to tune the database performance. So we don't really want to abstract the ability to tune your database instance and, and take all, some of that control away from people. Uh, we just want to make it really simple and straightforward. But to get a little bit more specific, if you think of it like this, MongoDB Atlas is the management console that allows you to deploy and scale your instances. Stitch is more of a development platform that gives you the ability to, to build a, a database or a, a backend as a service. Very interesting. So is, is this going to be something that's like agnostic to your cloud provider if you're working with Stitch? Um, basically, you work within the MongoDB console slash context, or, or is it something that actually you end up 
integrating, I guess, with your cloud provider that you're already working with? So from this, I guess we could start first from the Atlas perspective. Atlas is deployed across all the cloud providers, all the regions. You get to pick and choose and distribute however you like. Um, with Stitch, that's our eventual goal as well. We're distributed across a couple of regions, and you have the ability to have kind of a distributed application architecture or to lock it to a region if you're concerned about GDPR, data sovereignty, those kind of things. Um, currently, Stitch is you know, focused on a single cloud provider, but the goal is to, you know, the same way Atlas is pretty provider agnostic, become provider agnostic in our own right as well. So this this seems like very similar to something like Firebase. Is that correct? Stitch, in, at least? Yeah, yeah. In many ways it is, sure. I mean, it, so it, it's in that space. And um, to the degree that you can create and run uh, uh, functions in a serverless way um, and that they are intimately linked to the database, I think that's, that it is definitely similar in that respect. Yeah, but like, I guess the main difference would be that, um, you know, with with this, you're actually running serverless functions, whereas with um, Firebase, you're actually calling API calls directly to the database. But you're still writing MongoDB code with uh, with Stitch, right? You're still, like, writing queries and and um, updates and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I really love, so having worked in both for a little bit, I, I love the... Uh, the paradigm that, that Stitch gives you. It gives you the ability to, to write standard ES6-based uh, functions. So you're writing your business logic in JavaScript. Those live in the container in Stitch, and uh, it gives you the ability to, to leverage a context object. So, so you have a, this class given to you that um, gives you the ability to, to reference context items, and some of those are related directly to the database, so context.services.get. And then the name of the name of the service in this case would be MongoDB Atlas, and then you, that gives you a handle to to be able to um, access methods associated with the database right from within that JavaScript uh, function. But that's not where it stops. It, it continues on and gives you the ability to to leverage additional context items associated with oh I don't know your users for example if you're managing your users via authentication, and then um, other functions that you write. So within that context object, you get the ability to to access and manipulate other function calls. And then lastly, but not uh, least, is uh, the context associated with services integration. So the ability to integrate with other services, whether that be uh, Twilio, um, GitHub, uh, some of the, the, the baked in um, service integrations, but also um, custom integrations via an HTTP um, service that you can, you can create and, and manage. Yeah, that's something I was thinking of as far as like managing uh, users' identity. It just is available in this context object, and then you can get things like their user IDs and, and usernames and things like that for fine-grained access control. So, um, what what do typically people use to call the backends? Is this they're still using the same client-side code that they've written in the past, or is there certain SDKs that they need to use? Yeah, so we have a set of SDKs there you know, really kind of similar to amped up MongoDB drivers. Uh, we actually follow the driver, the traditional MongoDB driver spec. So if you've used that, it's the same kind of CRUD and database command language that you're familiar with. Uh, we just kind of unify really nicely uh, and, and kind of just, you know, get down to, you know, the different things that are kind of idiomatic for the language. Um, the additional pieces that we have are the ability to also run a function, to do authentication, 
um, within that SDK itself. So it's kind of like a driver that's been enriched by some of these application-specific pieces. Now, people also can you know, set up HTTP endpoints to hit Stitch. Um, we support actually connecting to Stitch through any of the traditional routers as well. But our best practices for when you're creating out an application are, are typically to move with the SDKs. And one of those is React Native, right? Uh, so there's a React Native SDK? Yeah. yeah, so we have React Native, um, uh, iOS uh, with Swift, uh, Java for Android, um, and JavaScript. That's you know browser and uh, server side JavaScript SDKs. Yeah, so that's 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 really cool. And I was I was thinking like how to invoke these because I know with uh, with AWS functions you can invoke them you know based on events. One of those is an API gateway HTTP request. Uh, so like if you do want to, so you're saying the preferred way is to invoke these via some type of SDK, but you do get the option of also invoking them via some like HTTP endpoint. How do you add the HTTP endpoint just out of curiosity? It's basically a sort of a configuration setting. Um, so we have uh, this concept of all these services you can integrate. One of them is HTTP uh, and that lets you set up um, basically incoming endpoints to map to functions, and you can also use it to make, you know, any sort of outgoing request that you want. Yeah, and I love the, you know, obviously I love it. I work at MongoDB. I love it, of course. <laughs> but uh, I, I spend a lot of time um, thinking about how, how developers can solve problems with the tool set available uh, via MongoDB. And, um, you know, it's literally limitless. Like the front end, sure, you can, you can leverage React, React Native. Uh, we've got iOS, we've got Android. Um, but even things like command line, like developing an, an app that that you you write so that it's uh, available via command line, super simple. I'd spent this weekend toying with uh, Commander JS, so writing command line that that connect into Stitch. Um, and then my last article on the MongoDB blog was written for integrating with um, Google Sheets, so leveraging Google Sheets from um, you know integrating data from a Google Sheet, and then prior to that, making that data available via Slack, for example, a Slack slash command. Uh, I, you can literally, with this tool, I created a Slack slash command that exposes and manages data right from within Slack using MongoDB Stitch as a backend. And it's super fun. Like it's a, it's a uh, it's an awesome set of tools. Yeah, I'm curious about Mobile Sync. Like, what does that actually look like? Because something uh, as React Native developers, you know, we really need to consider what happens when a user goes offline um, and just kind of synchronizing those different actions the user may take while offline with the backend and all of that. So it's been like a pain point for a lot of people. So I'm always interested to see anything that could ease that burden. Yeah. So at really what sync looks like, uh, we put this service into um, beta towards the end of last year. And prior to that, we had released MongoDB mobile. So if you, you know, played around with MongoDB at all, you know that it's actually, you know, it's, it's a database with replication and sharding and all of these, you know, huge feature set built in. Um, so we took some time to think about stripping a lot of that away and optimizing MongoDB to live on a smaller mobile device. Um, so we released that and that really kind of gets to uh, being able to store things locally while using the same syntax. So dealing with, you know, basically JSON and, and MQL, the, the language for querying MongoDB at your front end, at, you know, within your middleware, and if you're working on the back end. Now, then we uh, sort of alongside that developed mobile sync. Uh, and that's the ability to 
you know, basically listen for changes both locally uh, and remotely, uh, update data um, on the devices, changes are made, uh, you know, remotely, and then push those changes, local changes back to the remote, um, you know, resolve conflicts, things like that. So also, um, you know, a little bit more recently, I think it was in 3.4 um, version of MongoDB, we introduced the concept of change streams, basically listening to your backend database for changes. Uh, and this is something that's been pretty core um, developing within Stitch. So we keep change streams to uh, you know, launch our database triggers. We keep them to understand what changes are happening to remote collections and push them locally. Uh, and Stitch basically can you know, spin up you know, very low compute, long running functions that manage these change streams, listen to changes, uh, iterate over the stream. Uh, and so what you have is you know, within the application um, that is running on your SDK, uh, to point to you know, MongoDB Mobile that's packaged in the SDK uh, if you choose to include that. Uh, and then you can define logic to listen for changes, to react when a remote or local change is made, to resolve conflicts locally. Um, and that basically sort of gives you the framework. And then what Stitch is doing is, is really just kind of spinning up these ultra-low compute, long-running functions to iterate over the stream and to pass changes to the devices that are currently listening. Yeah, that's awesome to hear because uh, I come from a background of using Meteor.js and Meteor.js has such a strong integration with Mongo. And that was one of my favorite things was just this client side, uh, you know, Mongo API that we could work with and things just kind of magically worked in the background. And like I haven't used Meteor in a year and a half now. So anything that brings me back to that type of um, experience, just it sounds really cool. Um, and also just getting to use the Mongo API again, because it's been a while. I've just been front end for a long time, not really doing any back end stuff. Yeah, it's cool to see the different stuff you got here in Stitch. Yeah, I think one of the things we were really trying to do with Stitch is give people access to the MongoDB query language and the API at every step of the process. So you can do things like full stack development without having to change from one data format to another, without doing you know a lot of processing to get data from your front end to your back end, vice versa, um, you know, just a single way of talking to data and a single way of data being represented. I really, really am, am super pumped about this type of technology, by the way. Um, I feel like stuff like this helps front end developers kind of move further up the stack, you know, like it's almost like you're already writing JavaScript on the front end. Um, the part about being a back end developer that a lot of us as front end developers kind of don't really enjoy is the DevOps part. And I feel like this kind of, you know, is getting rid of, I wouldn't say is getting rid of the DevOps part, but is abstracting away the repetitive type of stuff, I guess, that you that you typically do when you're building out prototypes and applications and just lets you like write code. And the fact that you're writing JavaScript in these in these functions is, is really cool. If you understand how to write and read to a database, you can pretty much write a full stack application just using JavaScript, right? That's cool, and I really like the uh, I really like the real time stuff. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, but I, I, yeah, I didn't know if you had any other stuff you wanted to kind of like touch on there. Yeah, and, and I don't know how much you want to sort of get into the back end and some of the theory about how we're approaching serverless, but there are a couple of things that we're doing behind the scenes that are a little bit different, I, I think, from the typical kind of container based approach to serverless, and I think that that lets us actually work as more of a full stack 
solution and something where you can sort of base some of your you know really latency sensitive UI dependent stuff on top of. Yeah, um, I do want to I do want to get into that, but but before we move on, I, like since we're still kind of talking about uh, the real time stuff, I'm looking at the documentation or I'm looking at the website, and I know you mentioned sync and triggers, and it sounds like sync is kind of like a way to sync the delta or the changes between what you have locally and what's what's in the database. Is this kind of like if you go offline and you come back online or something like that for the yeah, sync? It, the, the goals of Sync are with MongoDB Mobile and with Sync to give you a, a local copy of remote data that you can you know, read and write to regardless of your uh, application's network state. So you, know, you can you know, write stuff, you can go back online, you can come offline, um, and giving the user a really seamless experience. Because typically that's been something that's you know, incredibly hard to sort of, I think, write uh, in a simple fashion. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, it's also, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to get right, but it's also a really, really in demand feature that a lot of applications need these days. A lot of the more modern applications, the offline piece. And I'm guessing a lot of that is based on your client implementation, right? A lot of this yeah, functionality. Yeah. So the SDK bundles up the MongoDB mobile actually, you know, bundles up the, uh, you know, mobile implementation of MongoDB. Uh, and it gives you the ability to, you know, again, write MongoDB query language uh, and also set up reaction to changes to conflicts, um, you know, and, and kind of just set all of that up. And I guess my last question is, what is the implementation of the stitch triggers? Is this something like WebSockets that are just implemented under the hood that you don't really have to, to worry about? Like, is a WebSocket connection open um, when you're listening to, uh, you know, a certain trigger? Kind of like, uh, are you talking about like, from a client perspective? Yeah, from a or? client perspective. Well, actually, just yeah, the the end end implementation. I'm actually curious about. Yeah, so we're behind the scenes are using um, server send events uh, to actually do. Hopefully, being a little bit more lightweight than WebSockets, um, but you know we're kind of evaluating that, thinking about WebSockets, how this product evolves, and then getting a little bit more to how Stitch works. So you know. I think typically you're going to see serverless or function as a service be kind of a container-based model. But for something like a sync gateway or something that's going to listen to a trigger in perpetuity, uh, that's not always the, you know, necessarily a good model um, because you have these kind of ephemeral containers that come up and down, things like that. Uh, with Stitch, we run a set of, you know, basically multi-tenant request processing uh, servers in Go. And so we have this infrastructure that's processing all of these application requests across all the Stitch applications. And by having that infrastructure set up, we're able to do a lot with actual uh, keeping connections warm and pulling connections to the databases themselves. Uh, we can have really long-running you know, Go routines that uh, basically manage the triggers and manage uh, kind of active sync gateways. Uh, and then for the applications themselves, uh, by doing everything with Go routines, you have a much, much, much lower overhead uh, to get started. And that kind of helps if you're going from, you know, zero to 100 on your uh, workloads, your parallelization perspective. Um, and, you know, just gives you um, kind of, a, I think, a, a much better experience from a, a latency perspective uh, when you're, you know, basing a lot of your UI. and You have a lot of latency sensitive and event uh, driven requests coming in. So one of the things that I know is uh, if you're dealing with serverless functions in some of the cloud providers, you have to deal with 
the the warm-up time for hitting some type of endpoint after you haven't used it for a while. I'm guessing that that isn't the case with Atlas and Stitch, that since you're not using containers, you don't have to, to deal with that, that spin-up time. Yeah, yeah. And you are going to have to actually spin up you know, a Go routine, uh, but the overhead on that is so much less than um, spinning up a container or anything like that. So it's it's typically not really something that you perceive and it's, you know, on every request. So it's, you know, more like a millisecond, couple milliseconds on uh, workload on, on your requests. The other thing with, uh, I think, containers that leads to that cold start is that you have to actually make connections uh, when you spin up the container to your database or, to, you know, other assets. And because, you know, with Stitch, we have such a close relationship with the database, with Atlas, you can have a persistent, warm connection that uh, is going to be ready when your routine spins up. And you're also going to be pooling that connection for um, each request processing server. So you're not going to get connection storming like you sometimes see uh, from other serverless solutions. Now, for us, you know, this is it's been a balance with us because uh, we don't always have the power or uh, of compute that you're going to get with a container. So we actually do... Um, you know, really good integration with some of the functions of service providers. Um, and those are great if you're doing, you know, a lot of running applications, more heavily analytical applications, if you're micro batching for your ETL or things like that. Uh, um, and so we see uh, a real demand, I think, for both of these models, both something where you can be more uh, latency sensitive and lower compute. So, you know, low latency, low compute, uh, and then maybe a little higher latency, higher compute in a traditional like container based serverless. So we talked about some of the stuff that you can do. Are there, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to highlight that kind of can take you to building the full stack application that you're kind of mentioning? So, you know, if typically you have your client application, you have your database, you have your authentication you know, service. Um, it sounds like you have some authentication stuff kind of baked in. Um, can you do, I'm guessing you can do stuff like search. Um, and that's that's really just more of a MongoDB feature, I guess, that you could say. But like, what what other things would you highlight that you could kind of build build into an application using this? I, I think the one piece that is actually really compelling for Stitch and we haven't talked about is our rules. So we have authentication, but at the end of the day, Stitch is not going to you know try to become the end all be all authentication provider. So if you have something you know like Okta, Cognito, AAD, we want to sort of you know, basically just plug in and take tokens from all those providers. Um, but what really, I think, makes things interesting for Stitch, we've talked a lot about the logic that lives at your application layer, but not as much about the kind of access controls and the security that lives at that same layer as well. So with Stitch, we have a set of, uh, you know, the ability to find really, really fine-grained access controls uh, at the you know, collection level and at the field level for everything in your database. So as a request comes in, Stitch has uh, the ability to know who's making that request. And then um, basically, you know, push predicates down to the database. And then as documents come back through Stitch, uh, evaluate them on a per document basis and make really fine grained choices on what a user is able to see, what they're able to read, what they're able to write. Uh, and, you know, we give a lot of, you know, Obviously, like simple match statements, simple sort of conditionals for defining that. But you can also uh, make these choices by running a function, things like that. So that's when you sort of start to see the benefit of tying all these different services together. 
when you know things like functions can play into your rules, your authentication, your access controls. And that's, uh, you know, I think that something that sometimes gets kind of lost. And that's really why you can do something like give your end application the ability to just query the database using, you know, straight MongoDB query language without having to have an API, without having to protect that access. It's because you can define really robust and precise access rules. So Kyle mentioned that this reminds me kind of a Firebase, but in reality, this actually seems like a new type of platform. Like, is there anything else out there that's like this? Because it seems like you all have kind of come up with like a new, a new way of doing things, but it also kind of falls into the lines of like what Firebase like wants to bring to the table as far as like a managed solution. And I mentioned like, I see a lot of like this type of stuff happening in the industry. I really am interested in this type of stuff, but like, yeah, is there anything like comparable to this, or do you feel like this is just kind of like a new way of doing things? I think that there's a lot of overlap with a lot of different things in the community. I mean, we see people building in the serverless space, in the application creating space, in a lot of interesting ways. So as we were putting Stitch together, I mean, we looked at things like Firebase, we looked at Meteor and Apollo, um, we looked at you know things like Scaffold, uh, which I don't think that's around anymore, and Parse, uh, and tried to figure out, you know, what really resonated with the community, what did they enjoy building with, and, and where could we maybe look at some of the emerging technology and kind of mesh that with uh, what people had found successful in the past. So if we could, like, I'm curious, if we take a step back and say, you know, I've just been front end for two and a half years or whatever. It's kind of like my first step into development and I want to go beyond front end into more full stack stuff. How would you uh, recommend or like what's an approach into learning Mongo and using something like Stitch to actually start building out full stack applications? What like any resources or just like what are things you should be aware of as you start going into that process? Well, so I think it, it depends on what your background is. Like if you're saying you're you're a, a front end developer and you want to get into uh, developing with MongoDB, obviously, uh, the first entry point might be, you know, understanding the database and how it's different from a, a relational solution, again, depending greatly on, on your background, but um, understanding, you know, uh, document oriented databases versus relational. And then, you know, th there are resources associated with that. So we've got a, a phenomenal education team, university.mongodb.com is, is just a, you know, a phenomenal Shannon, uh, who runs that is has, just does a, a really great job. Um, with his team. So, so understanding MongoDB, and then when you're ready to get into developing apps with, with Stitch, um, my team is almost, I'm going to say maybe 75, 80% focused on, <laughs> on, uh, developing tutorials, sample applications, uh, uh, in that space. So check out the blog, mongodb.com slash blog. And, and like I said, I, I've developed a, a couple of blogs over the last couple of weeks that, um, the, one of the ones that that's been the most popular is developing a data-backed API leveraging MongoDB Stitch in 10 minutes or less, and it's really that simple to to come up to speed. So so check that out. That's on that's on uh, on the blog and it's as well on uh, on YouTube. And I think that's a good place to to get started and, and dig in. And then lastly, I'll say that that the Docs team at MongoDB is second to none. Those guys are just really phenomenal. The docs.mongodb.com uh, pages are, are just really, really great. We've got a number of tutorials available. You can, you can copy and paste some of those examples and, and get started very quickly. 
So yeah, I guess that was going to be my next question: is how to get it, to get started, to get up and running. But I think you kind of went over all that. Is there anything specific for React Native developers that they may be interested? I'm guessing the uh, the React Native SDK. Yeah, so React Native SDK is, I think, the best place to kind of kick the tires with Stitch. Mobile Sync, in particular, is it's in beta. It's still sort of emerging uh, as a product and as an addition to Stitch. So we don't have that fully integrated into the React Native SDKs right now. Um, we definitely have people using native components to, um, you know, actually integrate that. And so that's one option. But if you're just sort of building, uh, you know, out of more standard React Native application, then the SDKs are a great place to get started. Okay, great. Well, I guess I'll ask Spencer first. Do you have any picks today, Spencer? Yeah, so uh, my pick is going to be a regex cheat sheet. I'll send you the link, Natter. Um, regex is just something I can't do. I've never been able to do it. So just having a cheat sheet on hand to kind of help me at least fumble my way through it is awesome. And this is just a really succinct one that gets the job done. Was that on Dev.2 by Emma Wittekind, I think? Uh, let me check. Yeah, that's the one. Cool. I saw that too. And, and that thing like blew up. That, that, yeah, that was a really real well-written piece. Yep, absolutely. Okay, uh, Drew, do you have any picks? Yeah, so I think I'm coming maybe from uh, a different place than a lot of people. Instead of starting from the front end and, and trying to learn the back, and I'm really in the other direction because I've been a pretty database-focused guy. Um, so I've actually really fallen in love with this site called Frontend Masters, which does a lot of great courses on kind of just picking up everything that's emerging in that space. Uh, you know, recently I was like, I, you know, I really need to learn how to use GraphQL. I'm hearing it come up all over the place. Uh, so I took a course on that, and you know, afternoon I basically was like, okay, now I really understand it. I understand, you know, it's different to PHP and, and REST and um, it's, it's just a really phenomenal site that's helped me a lot. Plus one for front-end masters. Yeah, they have really cool stuff. I'm a big fan. So, uh, Michael, do you have any picks? Uh, yeah, so I think, um, I don't know, I've, I've just been uh, playing a whole lot with, uh, with Commander.js lately. I think that's probably going to be the foremost on my mind, uh, writing command line uh, integrations, and especially since it, it kind of plugs really nicely into, into Stitch. So I think that'll be my pick today. Very cool. I've also used Commander, and I do like it a lot. Also, it's pretty it's pretty fun to be able to write a, a CLI with all those different um, you know features that, that that Commander brings to the table. makes it makes it at least grokkable because before that, I had no idea like what I was going to do. So yeah. my pick is I have two picks actually. I just did a bunch of meetups and stuff last couple of weeks in Europe, and I was in Barcelona, and Barcelona was just like. I went there like 15 years ago, but I haven't been there in a long time, and it was it was awesome. So if you have a chance to go, I would I would go check Barcelona out and and try to stay um, somewhere. Actually, there's too many different places to stay, but if you, if you're a programmer and you need good internet, you can go to the W Hotel, which is like on the water, and they have like 100 megabyte per second internet and um, good food and good coffee, and it's a really cool place. Um, my other pick is a an app or a demo that I built called AppSync GraphQL Real-Time Canvas. It's basically a real-time application uh, built with GraphQL that allows you to kind of like have a collaborative drawing canvas. And um, it's built using GraphQL subscriptions, so it's kind of like a real-time thing. It's on my GitHub uh, repo, uh, Dabit3. So if you're interested, you can uh, check that out. Well, that, uh, I think that wraps it up. So thanks for both of you all for joining us on the show today. I learned a lot, and I'm actually going to be getting off 
and playing around with uh, with Stitch actually, hopefully either today or tomorrow. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. It's been a, been a great chat. Thanks. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. All right, well, that wraps up this episode of React Native Radio. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time.